I'm Elena Salinas, software engineer and host of the Women in Tech show, technical interviews with prominent women in tech. Product forecasting involves data analytics and making recommendations. Pooja Sund, data analytics group manager at Microsoft, explained the data that financial analysts look at for product forecasting. We talked about what financial models are and how software is being used to help financial analysts. Pooja also talked about management, technical training, and diversity and inclusion. Pooja Sund, Data Analytics Group Manager at Microsoft, is joining us today. Pooja, welcome to the show. Thank you, Edina. It's nice to be here today with you. Thank you. Likewise. Today, we're going to talk about finance, tech, leadership. I want to begin with finance and software. One of your early roles was financial analyst. What is the role of a financial analyst? Thank you, Irina. Hi, everyone. I have been in finance industry for, I would say, 14 plus years. And back then, when I completed my MBA in finance from India, my goal was to be a financial analyst in a big software company. And at that time, I thought of applying to Microsoft. The moment I got in the real life scenario for financial analyst, that financial analyst person would look at the revenue and profit and loss statements of a particular business group within a company. So since I was in Microsoft and I was working in the division OEM, Original Equipment Manufacture Division, I was looking at their profit and loss statements and their um, balance sheet statements to look at where do they spend more money, where are their assets, where are their liabilities. So my day-to-day -day job included working with Excel on, I would say 90% of the time I was having Excel open, whether it was looking at their financial statements or creating Excel models to look at the forecasting process, how much do we have to forecast per product and it was also to support the rhythm of business activities. So a typical job of a financial analyst looks at models, financial models, look at revenue, look at expenses, uh, looking at COGS uh, and then other kind of expenditure. It's just like looking day in and day out in Excel using pivot tables, all the Excel formulas going further deep now. Nowadays, we have also started using one of the tool, Power BI visualization tool, Power BI at Microsoft. So financial analysts main job is to make sure that that person would analyze financial statements to make sense of it and would create insights that can be shared with the leaders later on. Around what time was this role that you had the financial analyst? It was back in 2007. So it's been 12 years now. I see. And as you've been in this space, you're describing it's a lot of looking at data, making sense of the data. Have things changed significantly in a sense that now we can leverage more software and getting recommendations from software? I would say yes to that. The first and the foremost thing, data is still the same. The way that we were creating a list of questions and looking at the cleansing sort of tools has changed. Data is still the same. 
and I keep on saying that I still the same because we being in the finance profession we are trained to look at anomalies and outliers within data set but all of those insights are not going to be helpful if you do not know what is a key question of the leadership team member you are trying to answer what is a key problem that you are trying to solve if you are not clear about the tool and processes then you will not be able to cleanse the data and in terms of the ETL sort of a transformation we were using SQL at that time but not significantly now in my current role we use a SQL server Azure we use Power BI we use Power Pivot we actually have also started using machine learning and artificial intelligence to look at the anomalies and patterns to make sense of it so I would say from technology stack yes we have evolved but that we were looking at data and the foremost thing data is still the same the way that we were creating a list of questions and looking at the cleansing sort of tools has changed data is still the same and I keep on saying data is still the same because we being in the finance profession we are trained to look at anomalies and outliers within data set but all of those insights are not going to be helpful if you do not know what is a key question of the leadership team member you are trying to answer what is a key problem that you are trying to solve if you are not clear about the tool and processes then you will not be able to cleanse the data and in terms of the ETL sort of a transformation we were using SQL at that time but not significantly now in my current role we use a SQL server Azure we use Power BI we use Power Pivot we actually have also started using machine learning and artificial intelligence to look at the anomalies and patterns to make sense of it so I would say from technology stack yes we have evolved but that we were looking at data hasn't changed you mentioned one of the main things is to have that key question, know what the key problem is that you're trying to get an answer for. Can you talk a bit about how you come to have a key questions? Like, is this your meeting with other people? How can you start establishing this key question? Thank you, Edina. That's a great question. I'll say that I often ask my team members. I have a big team. I have um, four direct reports, and then we have a couple of V team members who support our group so the way that I often challenge myself and them I'm like you know what what is the risk that you are trying to assess yes our stakeholders are asking for this piece of data they are asking for this label what is the real outcome what's the narrative that they are trying to solve why are we doing it the way that we are supposed to do so if you can ask those questions what's the risk involved what is the overall objective that you are trying to achieve what's the narrative here I think you get closer to it now the second step to that process is if you try to look at it from a stakeholder or an audience angle you also need to bring in ROI return on investment to each and every decision that you are taking meaning you can solve every single problem because every single problem that's impossible to solve would itself tell you that it I am possible but at the end of the day you have limited resources and you need to make a decision in terms of return on investment if I'm gonna spend if me and my team are gonna spend a week 40 hours to solve this problem are we really prioritizing so if you can answer those questions or ask those questions to the person who is asking you to work on something then you can I think get closer to working on the priority project ask them what is the risk involved ask them what's the narrative what is our overall objective ask them help us understand the ROI 
why should we work on this rather than that and you will get closer i see so we've been talking about the process of establishing the key question and also some of the tooling involved yes. in being a financial analyst which just to do a quick recap is databases data visualization tools and now machine learning one of the core components in this area is the financial model can you describe what this means and you can give you know some examples that you can think of So when we are talking about financial models what I mean by that is let's say we have a product and in order to monetize that product you would find out different ways of selling that product right you also have to understand what are the key components of that product that are going to help us achieve a profit later on and then you find out working with your stakeholders that what are the assumptions that we need to have in mind while we are trying to come up with the price for that product so let's take an example of let's say office so office 365 is a bundle we have word excel powerpoint and now so many other things have been added to office 365 so when we are trying to create a sort of pricing for office 365 even though it's subscription based we are trying to assess what are the key components of office 365 how many users are we expecting that they are going to subscribe to let's say this piece would the trend be the same across the months or would the trend differ according to the geographies according to demography so you build all those key criterias in mind while you are building a financial model and then you vet it with your stakeholders you involve machine learning you include a sort of historical trends and you kind of assess what's going to be the forecast for the next couple of quarters and based on that you create a 3 to 5 year long range plan for a given product So is the financial model the components of these, you know, set of questions? Is that what the financial model is or what is the outcome of it? Is it a set of functions that are, you know, predicting like number of users, some geographic information? Yes, it actually boils down to let's say 360 degree view of a given product. It can start with the product itself, the key components, the geographies that that product is going to be sold into, the time period when you're going to market that product and all of the pieces that can help us decide what is the right price for that product if we are creating a pricing model what is going to be the revenue of this product in the next 3 to 5 years so when i started my job working as a financial analyst i took care of long range planning model for crm customer relationship management and for retail product so at that time it was not a pricing model that i created i actually developed a financial model that was looking into what would be the new seats addition of crm in the next 3 to 5 years where do i think in relationship with my stakeholders from CRM side where do we think CRM is going to land in next 3 to 5 years how many seats are we expecting that we are going to sell in 2020 in 2021 2022 so you based on that you kind of project and that's what would get baked in into those other uh, statements so is product forecast one of the objectives to predict revenue yes forecasting you can predict revenue you can predict how many products are going to be sold and you can even predict if there are going to be issues like this if you are dealing with a sort of another industry where customer complaints keep coming in based on the historical projections or historical patterns you can predict that this area this geography is going to have challenges with this product mm-hmm. so that's how you can forecast based on what you are starting with if it's a price 
historical price points you can predict if you are looking at let's say historical stock prices of a given company microsoft or amazon you can forecast where is amazon stock or share going to be in 2021 in 2023 things like that i see if we end up with a forecast that then we realize wow we were really off is there a um, way to learn what could have been the thing that led to the forecast to be really off or sort of an improvement process to have better forecast i would say it really depends because how tight or how strategic you have been in your process when you are defining the financial models that's why here at microsoft we do a pretty good job of refining and fine tuning all the assumptions that the model is based off so let's say um, in my model of 65 i'm just going to make an assumption that based on my historical um, analysis of the different geographies across the world russia and japan i'm just giving an example russia and japan because of the let's say political issues right uh, over there we would not be able to have many subscribers of office 65 if my model doesn't capture that assumption then i would be splitting the revenue across all the geographies equally while it's not going to be like that so i need to know what is in the current state what is going on uh, if i'm a global company i need to know what is going on across the globe in all the geographies because those are the assumptions that i'm going to take in to bake it into my model after working as a senior financial analyst you took on more managerial roles why did you decide to take on these new roles in management I have always been passionate Irina about leadership about bringing others on the same page with me and then creating an evolving a uh, high performing team so even though I was working first as senior financial analyst I was very good in terms of collaborating with other people and that's one piece of advice that I'll give it to people who would like to switch from by being in an individual contributor role to being a manager later on they need to identify some projects where they are going to be the people who would drive it but at, at the same time they need to find out projects where they would be contributing providing their perspectives to others projects that the other people are driving because more and more you will find yourself into those projects where you are providing inputs provide in being involved in the thought discussions you are actually taking your skill set to next level and i always enjoyed that that's why in the last um, i would say 8 to 9 years i have been into managerial positions where i have integrated my deep technical and financial expert and um i have been able to drive and deliver solutions that are have been pretty complex and i get it done by leveraging my teams by encouraging them by motivating them and by inspiring them that yes you know what we can do this we can do this together So it sounds like for you it was sort of a gradual process is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Adina one thing that I would say is like uh, for all professions like us if you haven't found your true passion yet you would not be able to take your success to next level. So for me my passion has always been when I'm playing with technology, when I'm dealing with numbers, when I'm coaching people and um I have been very fortunate that i have been able to integrate all these three pieces into one my brand is 3p a p for passion p for people p for power so passion for data for technology for finance for encouraging people and people is just like anything that you are doing here you you can just go little far you cannot go farther than where your mind can take you unless you are a people person so you need to really know how to work with people how to understand them how to have that empathy 
to build that everlasting relationship with them and third is power i have demonstrated that i have the power to synthesize the complex i can see the end goal i can help the team have the vision before long before it happens so if a person is passionate if they know how to work with people if they know how to break down the complex things into simple and if they have they can see the light at the end of the tunnel i think all of us as professionals no matter if we are in financial industry or in technical or in um, software or in other any other industry fashion industry you would be able to achieve success what would you recommend for people that you know they're still not sure like what their passion is do you have some recommendations for how they can go about figuring it out yes so i would encourage them to read a book it's called ted like presentations and i would say that that book is actually telling us those things that i have been doing it even without reading the book so since i was young my mother always told us that find out things that interests you find out those times when you are doing an activity and you just lose track of time you you do not know what time it is because you are so immersed into that activity whether it's when you are painting or coloring or you are outside playing a game or you are reading a book so taking an introspection can actually tell you when was the last time when you really didn't look at the time because you were too much enjoying that particular work that's one thing introspection number 2 talk to your friends talk to your support network people in the support network and ask them what do they think what do you have something that's different from others there are things that are going to be great in you that others don't have but you need to find out the zone of genius the things that only you can do superbly well that others cannot do and that can help you find passion and number Number three, you go and talk to your parents, your family members, and ask them what do they think. So if you will do your introspection yourself, and if you'll talk to your support system, whether it's family, friends, or co-workers, you would be able to at least create a list of things that you are extremely good at. Those are great insights, particularly the introspection part. One thing that I would like to add on to that list is try things that you might think. you're not interested in for example oh like i don't really want to you know do people collaboration managing people just give it a shot you know volunteer maybe you end up liking it maybe you end up finding your passion or like try a new activity basically keep trying things to then continue doing that introspection it's a great point adina i would highly encourage people to try out alien things the things that they had no clue of because you know what by doing it one time you actually at least know what is in there even though that thing was so super complex super boring and i have two kids 8 year old daughter and 11 year old son and i tell them most of the times i'm like you know what you might think that this is hard you might think that you would not like it try it once and then i'll let you make your call and often times they come back to me and they're like yeah mom uh, you were right you you actually sort of encouraged us to try and since we tried now we have started liking it so keep trying adina to your point here yeah, try and explore this is an era to explore yeah definitely i know that earlier you mentioned that your transition to management was um, little by little you you started getting more exposed more exposure to the skill set yes was there any kind of preparation that you did on the go or later on yes i would give the credit to not just my own time management skills at the same time what i did really good is i have always been very cautious 
and diligent in picking additional learning opportunities or projects whether it's doing additional online learning programs or certificate programs on top of my day-to-day -day job so i'll say i really picked those programs and and um, those specializations that are available through coursera edx and through um, universities out here even the online professional education courses i picked those courses that had a blend of data technology management and i found that i am at a place now where i have had broad exposure to not just soft skills but to also technical skills so one of the program that i did after my mba was a technical management program from ucla back in 2014 and i would say that program really blended two things well together management piece to the technical financial portion so find out if you want to be in a managerial position soon or if you that's your goal then try to do either try to get on the job experience ask your manager ask your leadership team if there is any v team project if there is any volunteering event that you can organize where you can direct people that these are the things that we need to do and together you are accountable for the delivery because that would give you that expertise and in addition to these ad hoc projects you go and enroll yourself into learning opportunities there is ton of material it's like there is so much available now those courses were not there back then when i started my career here at microsoft uh, finance i'll say now there are so many and because of those learning opportunities that are available at your fingertips i have been able to finish closer to 20 certificate programs and there are people on my extended teams who are keen to learn as well so learning should never stop because because of that learning you are able to have an impact you are growing yourself personally in addition to being grown uh, professionally at work Exactly like you said the courses are there online and it's even easier now because you don't even have the excuse of like oh I don't cannot afford it like now it's even free. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Let's now talk about your involvement in various efforts around diversity and inclusion. First I want to begin asking you what does this mean to you diversity and inclusion? I would say diversity to me is making sure all the voices are heard. making sure that you are recognizing the contribution of each and every one around you and the simplest way to explain would that of this would be asking people sending them the invitation to join a party at your place but you are not asking them to join when you are starting to dance so how do you make sure you are not just bringing diverse perspectives in you are actually listening to them actively you are actually letting them know that you heard you are actually incorporating their feedback and that's what diversity and inclusion mean to me how do you make sure that you are not leaving anything on the table you are actually bringing the best or worst of everybody who is on your team on your bigger team and then rationally you are making that decision that you know what this input is good we need to think about it this is a different perspective let me just add it to my thought process exactly and what are some examples of the things you're involved in I would say when it comes to diversity and inclusion I am involved in many programs that we do here one of the core one that I would say is like just by being in the volunteering give campaign that we do here at Microsoft so it's like we all are busy how do we make sure that we take time out from our busy time and then just devote it back to the humanity so that way uh, I have been able to organize some events for my broader group and just by being in those programs i felt like i really felt true satisfaction because that to me was i was not doing something to get rewarded i was doing something to get 
soul satisfaction if i have for the lack of a better term i would just say it just gives me that inner satisfaction that i gave something back to the community and then professionally over here when i talk about diversity and inclusion in every single meeting that i have in every interaction that i have in my direct reports i make sure that i kind of get their perspective i make sure that i'm not just listening to people who are very extrovert or who are very vocal i actually ask myself to take a pause and make sure if i did not hear from other people on my team or on my extended team members if they haven't spoken then i'll ask them but and doing it this way really helps so i would say by being a vt member of the give campaign by bringing that inclusive behavior to each and every interaction and meeting that i have with my team and with my extended team members and also by being the brand ambassador for my team here in audit group to the broader microsoft i have been in projects where i have found that we do not have resources to get that done but we are in one microsoft so how do you make sure that you are not only tapping into the potential of your own team but you are actually extended your network extending your network to go to the broader good to the people outside your group and i have found that people are very receptive to this idea of adding their contribution to someone else's contribution so by just encouraging myself and other people on my team to go and talk to other people so we can tap into their expert potential i think we have been able to bring that diversity and inclusion in and then the fourth thing that i would highlight is we have a program called swift here swift stands for senior women in finance team so th- this is a group of female managers here at microsoft and their main goal is to support each other so once a month we would meet and then we make sure that we kind of share the best practices that have been able to give us success in our role and we share it with other people on in that we team so i would just say that by making sure that you are not just creating success for yourself you are actually sharing your secret stories with others learning from their success stories you are creating and bringing the diversity and inclusion in and you are living that principle day in and day out Exactly. One more thing that I want to ask you is you're involved in the career development track. Can you talk about what this consists of? Yes. I would say career development has always been very key to my success and this is one of the area where I have spent more time as a manager because this if a person or if a current manager is just focusing on your day-to-day job then that person is not doing justice to the role. The role of a manager needs to be the role of a coach. Coach helps and create a high performing team. Coach works with each and every direct report and understands where is their true motivation and kind of plays with that motivation so that person can improve and can be sought after when it's like a complex solution that they have to develop. So how do you make sure that you actually take your career seriously and then you work with your direct reports and extended team members to make sure that what which role they are in they need to be very diligent in terms of picking the projects that are going to help them be ready for the next role so i would say when it comes to career coaching there is a program called dale carnegie and dale carnegie has been pretty prominent coach and he has been here i think since 1900 they have many learning programs that they offer across the world and i did couple of their programs aspiring leadership program 
themes for success and skills for success and skills for advanced success. So I'll say that by doing that program, I realized that there are just very basic principles that you need to be a successful leader. And if you have a good grip over those learning principles, you can contribute to anyone's career growth. And by being a student first, then I started coaching other people in different groups within finance. And I would say by being involved in this program for last, I would say three, four years, I have now coached 30 finance managers across finance, broader finance group. And then I've also taught 20 other business managers, business leaders across Microsoft engineering groups. The key to this success is very genuine, which is the more you will create success for others, you will be successful. So if my one piece of advice for the people who are going to listen to this is if you want to have more success in life, if you want to have exponential success in life, be the catalyst to bring that change in someone's life because their success is going to be your success. Your team member success would add to your success. If you would find out that your mentee is now reaping the benefits of the coaching, then that's your success. So how do you make sure that you keep on enjoying everything in life, whether you are coaching your mentees or you are giving speech at a conference? How do you make sure that you inspire people? Because if they can just work on one point that you mentioned and that could bring a change in their life, then that to me is a success and you are providing that career coaching in different um, circumstances. So bring your positivity in wherever you are coaching people. Exactly. Well, Pooja, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. I've enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you, Irina. Thanks for having me today. Thank you.